You are listening to a live broadcast from Faith Worship Center in Portia, Arkansas. 2 Peter chapter 1. We'll start reading here. Verse number 12. The Bible says, Wherefore, I will not put, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Yes, I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ has shown me. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able after my decease to have these things always in your remembrance. Will you back up to verse number 13? The Apostle Peter, he wrote here, Yes, I think it's meet or necessary that as long as I'm in this tabernacle or as long as I'm in this physical body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And this morning, difficult for me to stick with the title, but this is what's been in my spirit, in my heart. And my title is simply going to be my thought, my prayer for altar time is simply this, Lord, stir us again. Amen. How many would admit that we need a stirring in our spirit and in our heart? Amen. And I feel that this morning. And so this morning, I hope that I can encourage you in that direction. Lord, stir us again. Will you help me pray that God would move in the remainder of this service? Father, I love you today. And I thank you, God, for your grace and for your mercy and love. And I thank you for every individual and every family that is here today. Lord, I'm asking in the name of Jesus that you would open our ears to hear, our hearts to receive, and anoint me, God, to deliver your already anointed word, Lord. The task that is before me is greater than what I am able to accomplish without the help and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Do a work that I cannot do this morning, and I'll be very careful to give you the praise, the glory, and the honor in the name of Jesus Christ, and everybody says, Amen. The writings here of First and Second Peter, written, of course, by the disciple or the apostle Peter, are giving to the church, and I want you to get this and understand this, because again, we come from a position of grace and faith, not a position of law. And even when the, when, the, when the, let me say it like this, when the scripture or when the message is convicting us, it shouldn't come to a place that it is discouraging us. It should always come to a place that it is encouraging us. And sometimes the scripture needs to encourage us to repent. Amen. First and second Peter is written to encourage the believer. That's the theme of the, the epistles, to encourage us to stand strong in the faith and to stand strong in all types of adversities. Peter would cover here the false voices that would come from false prophets saying that there's every wind of doctrine and there's all types of voices that's coming to pull you away from the truth. He would also cover the fiery trial that every believer would go through as we are being sanctified and as we are being changed. Listen, if you want to be more like the Lord, it's not going to come without a trial. 
And that trial is not just going to be a trial, but it will be a fiery trial that is to, that is to try us. Peter covers all of these different things that would ever come against you in your life and living for the Lord and his encouragement here and first and his second epistle is to simply encourage the believer that no matter what comes our way, no matter what we face, no matter what we go through is to remember, stir us up by putting us into remembrance. Remember what the Lord has done for you because if we will remember what God has done done for us what we know listen not what we feel in the trial what we know will be an anchor that will hold us in all types of adversity if you go on what you feel your feelings are going to fool you but if we go on what we know what we know in regards to the truth will always hold us so Peter is writing in his message here, and we'll come back uh, to verse number 12 in just a little bit, but was to remind them of what Christ has done for them because he is rich in mercy, not because they deserved it, but because he loved them. And he is reminding them of all that Jesus has done, and the effect would be that, would, that the hearer, that the hearer, that the listener would be stirred up in their spirit. You will not, and if I do it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to apologize for doing it, but I'm not going to apologize for continuing to keep the truth and the foundation, the fundamental, the cardinal doctrines of the Scripture in front of God's people. Because the cardinal doctrines, the foundational truths are to stir our spirit. And if we just try to give you a good lesson, if we just try to give you something that is a good principle to live by, and we don't go back to the foundation of the gospel our heart and our spirit will not be stirred and our desire to live for God and to pursue the things of God will soon die we need the truth we need the cardinal foundation in front of us at all times to be stirred means to watch this to wake fully I want you to think about something this morning. I, I don't have a lot of notes, so I'm going to stop and give you some things to think about. I want you to think about something. When Peter wrote here that we need to be stirred, he literally means that we needed to be woke or waked up fully. And it comes from another word, and no, I'm not a Greek scholar, but it comes from another word. Think about this, believer, because I'll just be blunt and honest and tell you that I've been, I've been there before. It literally means to bring the believer, spiritually speaking, to a place or from a place of death, spiritually. And so Peter is writing to believers and wanting them to hear this word when the believer once saved, born again, filled with the Holy Spirit, has literally grown so cold and so complacent in their spirit that spiritually speaking, they're almost at the place of death. I'm preaching good because I'll tell you this morning, I have come to the place before in my spiritual walk where I have almost come spiritually dead. I spoke to a preacher one time, sat down with him, pulled out a couple of lawn chairs. He sat down with him. He had veered from the faith. 
And I went and I tried to just let him know, you know, you, you have to be careful when you're talking to somebody. What was I going to say to a preacher that once stood behind a pulpit and preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and seen people saved and healed and baptized with the Holy Spirit? What was I going to say to him that he didn't already know? Sometimes, believer, you don't got to try to go to some type of deep revelation. You just need to be there for somebody. To let them know you love them. And that you're not going nowhere. And I sat there with him and he told me, he said, I am this close to shutting my Bible, putting it on the top shelf, and going out and let the flesh do whatever that it wants to do. Listen, I don't care if you're a layman. I don't care if you're an evangelist. I don't care if you're a missionary. I don't care if you're a pastor. I don't care if you're a teacher. It makes no difference. We're not exempt from coming to the place where we can almost spiritually dry up and die and let the flesh go and do what it wants to do. So Peter is writing to people, and I gotta, I gotta, I gotta say this morning. I don't believe the Lord would have given it to me for this morning if it was not somebody here. This I feel that in my spirit. Somebody here this morning that is almost spiritually dead and not even concerned with the things of God any longer. Oh, I'm preaching good. The writing—it's not hard to see. The encouragement to be stirred in our spirit about the things of God. Watch this, and don't let me be complicated this morning. It's wrapped up in a warning. He's trying to encourage, but he's warning also. And we can't encourage without warning the believer. It's wrapped up in the warning, and the warning is of the danger of the believer. We sang about the we sang the song. There's still a river that flows, but let me ask you this morning: Is the river flowing today? He's warning as he's encouraging that we got to be careful because the enemy would like nothing more than to dam up that river. Little by little to dry your spirit up. To bring you to a place where you no longer have that initial desire. When we were born again to be about the things of God. I'm so concerned with the things of this natural life. And the things of this current world. That the things of God has been put on the back burner. He's warning of these things. That we don't become stagnant in our spirit. And soon forget what the Lord has done. And this week the Lord dropped this in my spirit when I was thinking and meditating and praying about these things. The Lord dropped this in my spirit and you can agree or disagree, but I know it was the Lord. He said, becoming dry in our spirit, becoming complacent about, and I'm careful when I say that the Lord has spoke to me or dropped something in my spirit because I believe it's been thrown around carelessly. And there's some people going to stand before God you're going to have to look to the Lord, and the Lord is going to say, I never said that. But the Lord dropped this in my spirit, that this is one of the greatest, most powerful, but silent attacks of the enemy that he has against the believer. He's not going to steal your joy overnight. He's not going to steal your desire overnight. Do you remember this morning who you're against? Oh, the devil's no match for me. If you think that, because you already lost. I'll whoop the devil with a switch. No, he'll kill you. He knows what he's doing. He is subtle. 
That's what he says. He is subtle. He is more subtle than any beast of the field. That means he's cunning. He is smarter than the natural man. And he's coming in little by little, Brother Greg. Little by little. Little by little and little by little. And he starts to take our desire. And it's one of the greatest, most powerful attacks. An attack that I have fell victim to in my walk with the Lord in times past. I want you to understand, if we're not careful, the enemy could come in little by little, start clouding our natural minds, start clouding our heart with the things concerning this life and the things that appeal to the flesh. And before we know it, we no longer have a priority to pick up again. I'm not here to beat you over the head, I'm not trying to bring to you law, I'm trying to encourage, but to encourage, I've got to be real and wrap it up in a warning. Before long, we no longer have the desire to pick our Bible up and to read it through the week, and the only Bible scripture we're getting is on Sunday morning or if somebody flashes a version across Facebook and we happen to come across it. Before long, our desire to take time out and to be with the Lord to get up early and spend time with God, that desire begins to die. Come on, I'm preaching good. Before long, the desire begins to decrease. My giving to the work of God decreases because if I give money to my own life, then I'm doing that with a plea, what, what appeals and pleases the flesh instead of giving to the kingdom. My faithfulness to the house of God, well, it begins to die off. Listen, I'm not beating you up and I'm not saying shame on you. I'm saying this is an attack that most of the time the believer is not aware of. And it's happening. And unless we have a warning, a voice that would say, look what the enemy is doing to us. Then we're never aware of it. Before long, these things start happening, and can I ask you a question, and let me follow it with another question. I want to ask you a question, but I want to ask you to not answer it vocally. How stagnant is your relationship with Christ? How stagnant, how stale is your relationship with Christ? Have you found yourself just going through the motion? Or can you really sing and say, I've got joy unspeakable and full of glory? <laughs> Peter recognized this problem. That, man, I feel the presence of the Lord. He recognized this problem. He recognized it as an attack. Think about this. Upon the spirit, upon the life of the believer. And he gave to us in the very last years of his life. Peter has not yet wrote an epistle. The Holy Spirit had not moved upon him for him to write. He was not inspired. But on the last years of his life, his mind and his heart begins to think about some things that he's went through, some things that he's gone through. And I will go back to that thought in just a moment. And the Holy Spirit moved upon him and said, I want you to write about this. He's got about three or four years left to live, uh, so to speak. That's what, they, uh, that's what they believe. Three or four years left. And he says, as long 
long as I'm in this tabernacle, it's going to be necessary for me to write and to write and to write and to write again that you would be stirred up by remembering everything that God has done for you. That's what he's writing to us. That's what we read in this epistle. Peter gave to us in the last years of his life these cardinal truths of what the Lord has done. And he wrote, he said, I think it's so necessary. It is meat that we would be stirred, that we would be fully awakened, and that the child of God would be brought back from a place of spiritual death to remember what the Lord has done. I want to be plain this morning. I don't ask about relationship with Christ to reveal to us the problem. I'm doing it because to reveal the attack of the enemy. We've got to recognize it as an attack. And none of us are exempt from the enemy attacking unless. And let me just tell you this. All of you are not only exempt, but you're included. If you're a born-again believer this morning, the devil does not like you. He doesn't like you. And he'll do anything to steal that relationship with the Lord. It's an attack on our faith. It's attack upon us individually. I want to prove this attack, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time, but it's an attack that the enemy has continued on throughout time. The children of Israel, history says that they spent approximately, think about this, 360 years in bondage. There was generations growing up who their parents and grandparents was telling them, we've always been in bondage. Think about that. This is how it's always been. So if a generation was being born in bondage, how much do you think that they were believing for freedom? They knew nothing about freedom. They knew nothing about walking after the God of Israel. They didn't know anything about that. All they knew was bondage after bondage and slavery. And they they may have heard about a deliverer, but were they expecting him to come? Most likely they were not expecting him to come. 360 years. And then one day Moses come down. My, My Lord stands before them. I'm him. I'm the one that God has sent. I'm going to Pharaoh tomorrow. I'm going to tell him, let my people go. And he tells Pharaoh, God said to tell you to let my people go. Ten plagues later, they finally march out of the bondage of Egypt. They got there. They seen the Red Sea part on the other side of the Red Sea. They're dancing and shouting. They're singing praises. And then the next day or a day or two later, they're griping and they're complaining. They're saying, did you bring us out here so that we would starve to death? They needed to be remembered. They forgot what it was like to be in bondage. Go on a little bit longer. The food ain't what we want. They went grappling and complaining. Why? They forgot. They forgot what it was like to be in bondage. And they forgot what it was like for the Lord to deliver them. They would get complacent. They would forget. One more time, they would forget. They forgot everything that the Lord had done for them. Aaron, we want something to worship. Well, bring me your gold earrings. We'll raise up a golden calf. They forgot it was not the golden calf. It was God that delivered them. They needed to be reminded because they forgot 
and they forgot. Watch this. And they forgot, and they forgot, and they grew stale in their spirit, and they lost track of the only God that there was there to serve. And they had grown cold and dead in their spirit. Nehemiah wept. He wept when he heard about the walls of the city. He cried. And he went to the king, will you just let me go? Will you just let me see? Uh, yeah, I'll let you go. He went. He brought the people together. And the people, the Bible says, had a mind to work. Uh, and they began to build the wall. But watch this. I want you to understand this. Nehemiah went back to his service to the king. He comes back again. And his question was this. Why has the house of God been forsaken? Where's the singers at? Where's the burden bearers at? Where's the preachers at? Where's the teachers at? What happened to them? Uh, somebody answered and said, they've all gone out to the field. Uh, they're all out there working. Uh, he said, why? Has the house of God been forsaken? I want you to think about this. Uh, these were the same men and women uh, that stood with a weapon in one hand uh, and a tool in the other hand. Uh, these were the same one that stood against Sanballat. Uh, these were the same one uh, that some of them would bear burdens. Uh, some would fix food. The others would keep working. These are the ones that rebuilt the gates, that rebuilt the walls, that cleaned off burnt stones because that's all they had. But it didn't take long and they forgot. My Lord, I feel that. They forgot everything that God had done for them. And they went out in the field. And Nehemiah says, why has the house of God been forsaken and the answer to that question is because they grow cold in their spirits they no longer had a mind to work brother Troy and they got complacent and they said what's the use I'll just go out in the field and go to work Elijah did the same thing came from withstanding 450 prophets of Baal Seen an abundance of rain come. I see, a, I see a cloud the size of a man's hand. And one little messenger comes and says, Jezebel said she's going to do to you as you've done to the prophets of Baal. And he run and he hid in a cave. He forgot. Believer, can I ask you this? I feel that in my spirit. Have you forgotten what the Lord has done for you? Have you forgotten about his mercy upon your life? Come on, every one of us could testify if it wasn't for the grace of God. Melissa, I wouldn't be here this morning. If it wasn't for the hand of God, I wouldn't be here this morning. Have we forgotten what He's done? Have you forgotten how He's blessed you? Have you forgotten how He's delivered you? Have you forgotten how that He's changed your heart? Have you forgotten how that He's moved upon your family? Have you forgotten how that He's moved upon your children? Uh, have you forgotten uh, that the breath you breathe it comes from God Almighty Himself? Uh, have you forgotten uh, that we don't have anything uh, outside of a miracle from the Lord? Uh, oh, we forget and we need to be stirred uh, to remember that uh, without God we would have nothing. Not a new attack, but we're not exempt from that. We would rather, the enemy would rather for us to be slothful, lazy, concerned about the natural life, so cold and so suppressed. That the things of God are no longer a priority to us. If the things of God are not a priority to mom and dad, listen, you don't got to worry about them being a priority to your children. 
Oh, that was worth amening right there. That was good. The things of the Lord becomes less and less as we let go of them. We may be under an attack today. The enemy come in to steal our joy. I've got to say this because we sung them earlier. There's something wrong when the congregation begins to sing, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a ranch like me. Oh, I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see. If that doesn't stir your spirit and you have a little trouble worshiping, it's because uh, we've got complacent and we've got cold. If we start to sing, would you be free from your burden of sin? There's power in the blood. There's power in the blood. Oh, sin stains are lost in that life-giving flow. There's wonder-working power in the blood. If we start to sing, oh, I never shall forget the day. Long years ago, when out in sin, I had no hope, no peace within. Then on my knees in agony, I cried to Jesus, and He gladly set me free. Amen. If we can't amen these things, we, we, have got, we have got so complacent. There's no reason. Listen, I'm talking about a silent attack. I don't got my stick out. I'm not trying to beat you up. There's no reason why the praise and worship team can't step up here and start to sing about the blood of Jesus and this place just come alive and start to worshiping and thinking about it. When you know about the grace of God, when you know about power in the blood of Jesus, when you sing about it, it all to stir your spirit, make you want to sing, make you want to shout and declare the good things of God. Something's wrong when our spirit is so dry that when we sing about the blood that set us free, that it does not make us respond. Understand, because of an attack that calls us to forget that we need a reminder there was a day that I was headed straight for a devil's hell. If I would have died, you've heard the saying, it would have come true in my life. I would have split hell wide open. <laughs> God, forgive me if I forget that. God, forgive me if I can't sing about the one that saved me from that. God, forgive me if talking about mercy doesn't excite me just a little bit. God, forgive me if I start to think about His grace flowing upon me, if that doesn't stir my spirit just a little bit. Uh, hey, He's changed my life. Uh, he's set me on a solid rock foundation. He has done in me what I couldn't do for myself. Uh, and for that reason, I should be stirred. Uh, and I should sing. Uh, and I should shout for the one that has saved my soul. I want to leave you with this because I'm done. Peter is a good voice. I said this earlier, but I want to make it I want to make it very plain. Peter's a good voice. We're writing an epistle that or we're reading an epistle that he wrote in the very last very last few two or three years of his life. Now, when you think about this, the man already knows because he said it. 
the day of my departure is at hand. Didn't know exactly when it was going to happen, but he was right there at it. He knew he was about to leave this life. But with that hand, I think it's necessary that I would write unto you to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Now I want you to think about this. Why is Peter such a good voice? Why is this on his mind, Brother Junior, just day, just maybe, we don't really know. It could be days before he passed. Could it have been that Peter fell subject to this attack over and over and over again? Do you realize this morning that we're reading, like I asked Pastor Brian to noon tonight, that we're reading a firsthand story of a man that was an apostle called to be the leader of the disciples who fell subject to this attack over and over and over again. He's the one. Come on, you know where I'm going. He's the one. <laughs> they want to arrest you, Lord. I'll die first. And the next day denied him. I don't even know him. Got so mad when they said, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure we've seen you with him. Went to cussing them. He went to cussing them. He had fell subject over and over. And then he writes in his last days, it's necessary that I would write to you, believer, if I'm going to leave you anything. Look, if you're going to leave somebody something right before you pass away, if you're going to write something, it's going to come from the very core of your heart. And from the core of his heart, inspired by the Holy Spirit, I'm going I'm to put it in my own words and don't come accusing me later of changing. I'm not trying to change the text. I'm just trying to make it plain and real. I'll put it in my own words. Peter writing, I'm about to pass from this life, but there's an attack that I fell subject to over and over again. And now that I've got the opportunity to leave the believer, the church with anything, I just want to forewarn y'all. And to encourage you, don't allow your spirit to grow cold and complacent. Allow the Holy Spirit to stir you up by remembering everything that the Lord has done for you. It's so easy for the enemy to cause us to forget. And if we forget, we will get further and further away from our relationship with the Lord. He said, I think it's necessary to write to you that you're, it would be stirred up by putting you into remembrance by everything that the Lord has done for you. Don't forget that if Jesus would have not went to the cross of Calvary, that life lived would be a life in vain. Don't forget what God has done for you. And if you allow them memories to fade, we will grow cold in our spirit and our relationship with the Lord will suffer even on to spiritual death. Will you stand? I'm going to ask you to bow your, your heads with me. I need some help. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me this morning. And that's the question. that I want to ask you and I want on your mind 
is the question that I begin with. Have you grown cold in your spirit? Have you forgotten that you would have nothing without the Lord Jesus Christ? Would you be honest with the Lord? And I'm not asking you to raise your hands because majority of hands ought to go up. Would you be honest with the Lord? Would you go ahead and play softly, just softly, please? And say, my prayer this morning needs to be, Lord, I'm asking you to stir my heart one more time to remember what you have done for me. Just to remember what you've done for me. Lest I grow cold, lest I forget, and my relationship spiritually come to a place that I would spiritually die. Because if you're honest this morning, you don't want your relationship to die. You don't want your relationship with Christ to die. Come on, He's been too good to you. He's been too good to us. So this morning, that's my question. If you're here, you say, I just need my spirit stirred. You know, a lot of times, I don't mean to keep talking, but I got to say this. We want a fast song. We want to shout me down. We want to be able just to think, dance in the spirit. You know, sometimes there's a time that we need to come to the Lord and say, God, forgive me. Forgive me. Forgive me. It was not God that grew away from us. It was not God that quit moving upon us. It's because somewhere along the line we quit walking in the Spirit. It'd be in order this morning for us to be honest with ourselves. Am I cold in my spirit? Am I the one that needs to be praying this morning? Do I need to recognize this attack from the enemy and say, God, now it's on my heart. I understand the enemy's attacking me, and I'm asking you to forgive me, and I'm asking you to help me and to stir my spirit one more time by reminding me what all you've done for me. That's my altar call this morning. I'm going to give you an opportunity to come, find yourself a place to pray, and let the Lord one more time remind you of what he's already done for you. Tells the sun to rise every morning. He colors the sky with the shades of his glory. He waits us with mercy and love. Jesus does. And who holds the orphan and comforts the widow? Cries for injustice and feels every sorrow. Come on, it's a good time to pray. Even if you kneel right where you're at, I don't believe I left you out this morning. Lord, stir us in our spirit. Stir me one more time. Give me my desire to pray, my desire to read, my desire to be faithful to your house, Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Stir me one more time, God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
God, stir our hearts. Touch your people this morning, Lord. Touch your people this morning, Lord. Stir their heart, God. Remind us all that you've done for us, God. Help me to remember this morning, Lord. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Help me to remember this morning, Lord. Hallelujah. Stir us up, God. Hallelujah. The hell and the grave, and who has the power to save? Hallelujah! Jesus does. Hallelujah! Lord, remind us this morning. Remind us this morning, Lord. Stir our hearts, God. Stir my spirit, Lord. Think about it. The heart of the sin. He understands. Hallelujah. Over all our mistakes. He washes us clean with his blood. Jesus, Jesus does. does. Hallelujah. That's what Jesus does. Hallelujah.
Think about this real quickly. Think about it. He's still in charge this morning. The sky. The shades. Hallelujah. Come on, just keep a mind of worship just for a moment. Come on, just entertain the spirit. Hallelujah. He cries for injustice and heals every sorrow. He carries the pain, the pain of, of his, his children. children. He can carry it for Jesus you. Hallelujah. Who understands the heart of the sin? He understands. Hallelujah. Come on, just worship he just a washes us clean with his blood. My Jesus. Jesus Hallelujah. And who sings a song of sweet, sweet forgiveness? forgiveness. Who stole oh, come on, the keys to hell and the grave? Who has the power to save? Hallelujah. Come on, worship with us. So we sing praise to the Father who gave us His Son. If you were blessed by this message or you need prayer, please email us at faithworshipcenterar at gmail.com.